so as I've started uh, every week in this series by telling you, in case you're not aware, there's one week till Christmas, right? Just, it's out there. Um, and as I've asked, are you prepared? Like, I know the last few weeks it's been, oh, we got, look, if you're not, like, I'm just telling you there's a week to go, right? So it's time, there are some people looking at me like I need to get prepared. Um, uh, it, this is the time, right? Um, but also, are you excited? There's this kind of, you know, are you excited for Christmas? Uh, people get excited and get prepared for Christmas in different ways. In my house, one of the things that my girls do is Christmas movies. Now, I don't know if you're a Christmas movie person, but in my house, when December 1 hits, all of a sudden Netflix is just full of Christmas movies. And I didn't really know this, but there are lots of Christmas movies, right? And I'm not just talking about Die Hard. I'm talking about other Christmas movies as well. There, uh, it is a Christmas movie, absolutely. We're not even going... It's definitely a Christmas movie. Definitely. Um, in, fact, in fact, I swear, Disney must have a whole division of their company just devoted to Christmas movies because they churn out Christmas movies like, you know, uh, like you wouldn't believe. And, <laughs> But about half of those Christmas movies have basically the same story. I don't want to use a spoiler, but half of the Christmas movies, the, the, the plot line's all the same, right? Which is that there's something that, that threatens to spoil the joy of Christmas, whether it's the original Grinch or something or other. There's something that threatens to spoil the joy of Christmas. And then some unlikely hero emerges or unlikely heroes emerge and they sort of save the day and they save Christmas, and the spirit of Christmas is left alive and well, and everyone lives happily ever after. Right? That's basically the way that half of the Christmas movies go. But it works, doesn't it? It's a classic storyline that works, because there's something about all of us, Christmas or not Christmas, we're all drawn to a hero. We're all drawn to a hero story. We're all drawn to the story of an unlikely hero, who saves the day, especially an unlikely hero that, that overcomes incredible odds to save the day. Anyway, uh, back to Christmas. Um, we, uh, there's one week to go and almost sort of hidden in all the one week to go preparations and things that are happening for many of us is the person of Jesus. And we've said, you know, that, that the setup to this series is to say that um, uh, lots of people have heard that phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. People put on bumper stickers and that sort of thing. And, and most people know, even people who've never, never been to a church, most people know that there's something religious, there's something spiritual behind Christmas. And, and, and if you've kind of been around uh, churches at all, you know that Christmas is Jesus' birthday. And what we're asking in this series is, but so what? I mean, Christmas is Jesus' birthday, but so what? Why is that important? Why does that matter? What, what, what's the point of that to me and my life? I mean, sure, Jesus was born a long time ago and this is, his, this is his birthday. But so what? People have birthdays all the time, don't they? This series is all about looking at what happened 2,000 odd years ago, looking in, digging deep into the birth story of Jesus and discovering why that story is so important to us today here in Australia 2,000 years later. We've looked at what Christmas means to the way that, we, that w the way that we experience joy 
and peace, not just at Christmas, but right throughout our lives. And we've looked at what the angel said and we, we've looked at other parts of the Christmas story. But today I want to go back to the very beginning of the Christmas story. And I mean way back to the very beginning of the Christmas story. Before the manger, before the wise men, before the shepherds, before any of that. Because the Christmas story actually begins right in the very beginning of the Bible story. Literally in Genesis chapter 1, if you open your Bibles to the, to the very first page of your Bible. Because the Bible story begins with the story of creation, and lots of us kind of vaguely know uh, the creation story, but it begins with the story of creation where God creates a perfect world. Creates a beautiful world and he creates all kinds of plants and animals and he creates people with the purpose of ruling over that world with him in this beautiful partnership. It's a fantastic image. There's, there's beauty and there's unity and there's peace and there's joy. And it lasts about two pages in your Bible until you get to Genesis chapter 3. Because in Genesis chapter 3, humanity and, and the people of Adam and Eve decide that they don't want to rule the world with God, his way. They want to rule the world their way on their terms. And so they rebel against God. And God, in his, I guess, graciousness, allows them to have their way. And they get to do life on their terms. And it all goes horribly wrong. And from that point, just three pages into the Bible, we see that anger and hate and jealousy and greed and selfishness and depression and anxiety enter our world. It's a sad, sad story. Except for this one tiny detail. Hidden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 is uh, a, a, little, uh, a little line that God speaks when he is speaking to the serpent. The serpent is the sort of the evil, the Satan figure in this early story. And God says this to the serpent. He says that Eve's offspring, actually says Eve's seed, but that's kind of Bible language for your offspring, you know, like a, like a, a plant produces seed for the next generation, that... Eve's seed will crush his head. It's a tiny little detail. If you're reading the story, you would easily skim over it. But that detail is the very first sign of hope. It's, it's, a, it's a tiny detail that tells us that someone will come from Eve, from Adam and Eve. Someone will come from that line. Someone will come through their offspring who will deal with the serpent, who, who will crush evil and death and sin and hate and anger and all that comes with us, that will crush that once and for all. That from Eve, it's the beginning of the promise, that from Eve will come someone, will come a person who will deal with the sin and the mess that we find ourselves in, who will reconcile the world back to God, who will restore the world to the way it was before 
in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 who will restore for us that picture of intimacy between people and God, who will restore for us that sense of peace and unity and joy that existed in the world the way that God first created it. And ever since that time, people have been waiting and hoping. People have been waiting and hoping for that person to come. People have been waiting and hoping for that hero who will literally save the world. And they waited and they hoped and they waited and they hoped. For thousands of years, God's people lived in hope that that little promise, that that seed of a promise that was sown way back in Genesis chapter 3 would come true. Looking forward, hoping, praying for a day when this saviour, when this hero, when this person would come to set things right. And they kept waiting and they kept hoping. 700 years before Jesus was born, 700 years before the Christmas story, Isaiah was one of those people who was waiting and hoping. And God gave him a vision. We don't know exactly some kind of dream, some sort of vision. God spoke something into his life and he wrote it down. Isaiah chapter 9 in our Bibles, verse 1, he wrote these words down. There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the future, he will honour Galilee among the nations. Now, Bible nerds should be going Galilee. Where have I heard that name? Where have I heard that name? Who came from Galilee? Who came from Galilee? Verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. He's talking about this day, waiting and hoping. Jump to verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. He's looking forward to this day and the government will be on his shoulders. It doesn't mean the government like the actual government, government as in the, 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 the rule of the the rule of the land, the rule of the nations, will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government, of the greatness of his rule and his reign, and peace there will be no end. It's a fantastic vision. But nothing happened. Isaiah lived and Isaiah died and nothing happened. And the people kept waiting and the people kept hoping. Until this one night in Bethlehem, when a baby was born. And just like in the Christmas movies, an unlikely hero enters the story. And the reality is, the only reason we're telling the Christmas story, the only reason we're talking about the birth of this child 2,000 years later is because that child was the one. Because that child was the one that had been promised thousands of years before in Genesis chapter 3 because that child turned out to be the one that people had been waiting for and hoping for for literally thousands of years. And cut to the end of the movie... Jesus wins. Jesus wins. 
Jesus is the one who will fix the mess that the world is in. Jesus is the one who will forgive sin and heal brokenness. He will restore peace. He will find the lost. He will release the oppressed. He will take away anxiety and he will bring joy. Jesus is the one that people had been hoping for and waiting for for thousands of years. And for anyone who had ever looked at the mess that the world was in and thought, how will we ever fix this? Jesus is the hope that they'd been waiting for. But more than that, and this is where it connects with our world, for anyone, for any one of us who's ever looked at the mess of your own life, if anyone who's ever looked at the mess of your own world and thought, how will I ever fix this mess? Jesus is the hope that you've been waiting for. Jesus is the hope that I've been waiting for. And let's be honest, we live in a world where the Christmas story has become like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we see it on Christmas cards and we see little kind of scenes in shop windows. But largely we have forgotten the extraordinary hope that Christmas promises. Even Christians, even people in churches. I want to tell you, I just want to remind you that the headline of the first church was this. That the saviour you've been waiting for and hoping for has arrived and his name is Jesus. That's the fundamental message of the first church. Luke tells us it's the message that the angels came to the shepherds with when Jesus was born. Uh, Luke 2 verse 11, today in the city of David, which is another name for the town of Bethlehem, there has been born for you a saviour. Matthew tells us it's the message that an angel spoke to Joseph, the guy that was engaged to Mary. He said to Joseph in a dream, she, talking about Mary, will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. A generation or two later, Paul, who's an old man, writes to Timothy, a young guy that he's mentoring, and he reminds him, 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 4.10, we've put our hope in the living God who's the saviour of all people. Peter saw Jesus, he lived with him, he watched him die, he watched him rise. And he would tell the world in Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven, which is Bible talk for saying, there's no one else who's ever been born on earth by which we may be saved. Jesus is the only one, is Peter's message. John lived with Jesus too. He was one of his closest friends. A generation or two later, he would write in his, I guess, kind of memoir to live on after he died. He would write these words, John 4, 42. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. He wants people to know, I, I was there. I met him. I heard him. And I want you to know, it's true. This man really is the saviour of the world. And my message 
to you guys today. My message to us as a church today is that Christmas reminds us that there is hope for you. There is hope for me. When you feel overwhelmed by stress and anxiety and those sorts of things, the Christmas story reminds you that there is hope and that hope is a person and his name is Jesus. When you can't see a solution to your health problems, you've seen doctor after doctor, things don't seem to be getting better, there doesn't seem to be any healing, the Christmas story is a reminder to you that there is hope and that that hope is a person and his name is Jesus. When you don't know what to do at work. When you don't know how to get work. When you don't know how to get work that you really want to do. The Christmas story is a promise to you that there is hope. That that hope is a person and his name is Jesus. When you have no more ideas about what to do about that person in your life. You know, whoever that person is for you, maybe it's a friend or a neighbor or a member of your family, somebody you just, I don't know what to do about that person. I've tried everything, it just doesn't work. Christmas is a reminder that there is hope for you and that that hope is a person and his name is Jesus. When you don't know how you're ever going to pay that next bill, when you don't know how you're ever going to fix that thing on your car or whatever it is, you know, all of those sorts of problems in life. I don't know. I can't see a solution to this. I don't have the money for this. I don't have the time for this. What am I going to do? Christmas is a reminder to you that there is a hope and that hope is a person and his name is Jesus. Christmas is a reminder to you and to me that whatever hurt, And whatever pain and whatever uncertainty and whatever sin there is in your life. Things that you've done, things that have been done to you, things that you see around you. Whether it's in in your home, whether it's in your community, whether it's in the Ukraine. The Christmas story reminds us that there is hope and that hope is a person and his name is Jesus. Christmas is a reminder that the world might look to be in a mess, that your world might look to be in a mess. But there is hope. That hope is a person and his name is Jesus. Christmas invites you and I to believe that there is a solution to the mess that we're in. There is a solution to the mess that the world is in. There is a solution to the mess that I'm in. And there is a solution to the mess that you find yourselves in. And so very simply with a week before Christmas, I want to remind us as I've reminded us every week. Let's not get stuck into thinking that the good things about Christmas are the presents and the parties and the holidays and all of that. And all of that stuff is good. I love it. Love Christmas. But let's let's put ourselves, let's put our minds and our hearts in a place that remember that Christmas is about the birth of hope into a world that desperately needed it. Christmas is that moment in the movie when the hero enters the scene. 
and, and you don't know how it's going to turn out. You know that there's going to be challenges for the hero and you know that the movie's got a ways to go. But as soon as the hero enters the scene, you know that there's a happy ending, don't you? I don't know how it's going to get there and I know it's going to be messy along the way, but I know because this is the way the movie goes. That the hero lives and everyone lives forever. Thank you.